0: Welcome, welcome to the Unsinkable Marketing Pop-Up Podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I'm your host Abby Grace. I'm a brand photographer for high-performing creative small business owners and I cannot wait to spill everything that I know about marketing. So in the first episode of Unsinkable Marketing, I referenced a framework from Julie Stoyan that describes the four main sources of external traffic being search, social, relationship, and paid. In today's episode, it's gonna be all about that first category, search traffic. We're gonna examine what's worked for me, what's failed, and what sort of benefit we see from our search generated traffic. Because page views alone don't pay the bills. We need those people to actually do something once they've ended up on your page. Now I'm going to say this at the beginning of each episode. I do not want you to hear everything I'm about to say and take it as a list of homework assignments for yourself. I've been in business for more than a decade and we have tried a lot of different marketing tactics. Some of them stuck, some of them didn't, but it's taken me 12 years to get to where I am right now and our current marketing plan took us a long time to land on. And it's an ever-evolving process. So I want you to listen to this content and to the strategies that I share in the weeks to come, and then I want you to cherry-pick from it. Take maybe one tactic from today's lesson and try it out. And then in next week's lesson on social media traffic, choose one tactic from that to try in a few weeks. And so on and so on. A great way to ensure that you burn out is by trying to take everything I'm about to share and implement all of it at one time. Please do not do that. Just choose one new thing to try and then try it consistently for several weeks. Then once you feel like you've got a system or a routine established, add in another tactic. I'm going to throw everything that I do at you so you have a well-rounded understanding of marketing, but I want you to hear all of this as a menu of options for you to choose from, especially if you're starting from zero, okay? But before we get into all of that, first, a word from our sponsor. Just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. We're keeping these short and to the point or as short and to the point as I can so that you guys can get on with building a business that enables a life you love. And marketing, that's a crucial component of running a business. I'm gonna use the term traffic a lot here, and that just means eyes on your business. So the goal is to turn that traffic into leads by clearly communicating your value as a service provider and demonstrating that you can help solve the problem the client is having. But first, they need to know that you exist. And with search-related traffic, you can help them learn of your existence by creating multiple opportunities for the client to find your name as they look for an answer to a question or problem. Leads generated by search is a long game. Your goal with adding to your content that can be found via search is to slowly add and build so that you have numerous opportunities to be found by people who are actively looking for you, your solutions, or your content. So a well-formulated piece of content can actually continue to earn you traffic for months, even years down the road. And I'll show exactly how we do that later on in this episode. Here's the thing about search-related content. These people are actively searching for help with a problem. Maybe they've typed in Santa Barbara brand photographer and they stumble upon a shoot you did out there. Or maybe they found your YouTube videos after searching for tips on posing brand clients. Wherever they found you, they're looking for help, which can mean that they are a warmer lead than someone who simply stumbles upon your Instagram channel on the Discover page. There's less opportunity for this kind of targeted problem and solution matching on social media. Yes, there are hashtags for brand photographers, but like, have you checked to see how many posts on TikTok include the tag hashtag brand photographer? It's got millions of posts and it's growing by the minute. But with search traffic, you're not competing with the same onslaught of casual social media posts. You may be competing with pages and pages of Google results, but the clearer you can be on what sort of problems your target audience is experiencing, the better you can position yourself to pop up as a solution when they search for help. SEO, or search engine optimization, involves improving your website so that it ranks higher on sites like Google, Bing, or DuckDuckGo. Let me be clear. I am not an SEO whiz. This episode isn't gonna teach you how to keyword your way onto page one of Google by tomorrow. There are SEO experts out there like Myrna Dharami, I'm gonna link to her below, who can help you with that kind of thing. Instead, I'm gonna tell you what I do and how it's working out for us. And I hope that actually encourages you, that someone like me who doesn't put a ton of time into meticulous SEO tactics can still rank high on search engine results. So let's start with the most obvious source of all, Google, or as my best friend's dad calls it to her extreme embarrassment, Mr. Google Pants. And she's going to kill me for putting that in here, but we're going to roll with it. So most of my branding clients come by way of referral, but we do have a few clients per year who find us via Google by searching for something like brand photographer or DC brand photographer, something like that. Again, let me emphasize, I do not put a ton of time or effort into SEO. We have never hired anyone for help with SEO, and most of what I know about optimizing my content to rank on Google, I learned from talks given by Davy Jones at various conferences over the years. It hasn't changed a lot over the last several years, my, my strategy for ranking on Google. And yet, when I Googled brand photography in an incognito window a couple minutes ago, we are the third organic spot on the first page of Google. Some of that is the fact that I've been in business for over a decade. So there is credibility given to my website simply for existing and being in use and generating traffic for so many years. But most of that comes down to blogging. I began blogging in 2011, and though my blogging habits have been much less consistent over the last few years, the solid content that I've blogged over the years continues to give me credibility from the search engines, so I rank higher than someone who maybe just started blogging like a couple months ago blogging can be a huge source of search engine traffic it gives you new opportunities to give relevant answers that your target audience is again actively searching for help with for example somebody searches outfits for brand photo shoot and you have a blog post titled how to pick outfits for your brand photos that kind of thing demonstrates your expertise and positions you as an authority and it also gives you more opportunities to rank in search engines Blogging isn't a quick fix. It's not something that you start this week and like by next week, you're on the first page of Google. And that's gonna be the case with a lot of the methods that we talk through on this pop-up podcast. My goal is to help you build a marketing plan that weathers the storm, and that means spreading out your marketing efforts so that your clients are finding your business in numerous places, That way, if one of your marketing streams dries up, let's say you've been blogging for a while, but then like your blog gets blacklisted because someone hacked your website and embedded some kind of spam content on it. If that happens, one of your marketing streams dries up, this means your entire ship isn't in danger because you're simultaneously drawing leads from multiple places. Again, I'm gonna give you guys a whole picture of what I do in terms of marketing. I want you to cherry pick from it what works, but I do strongly recommend blogging if you have the option. Blogging is a really reliable place to start. So my blog is on WordPress with a custom design by Tonic Shop. Side note, love them. If you're in the market for a new website or a blog template, I cannot recommend their work enough. And I follow the same standard operating procedure for every single blog post. It's the same tactic I've been using for years. I had a moment a few years ago when blogging shifted from being one of my primary sources of new traffic with hundreds of readers every day to wondering if blogging was dead because everyone was so focused on social media. These days, my blog posts don't generate the same kind of page views they used to, but they continue to go to work for me in the background, earning my site SEO points every time I post something new. So it isn't flashy or as immediately gratifying as social media, but it's one of those tactics that works for me while I'm sleeping, on vacation, even when I'm taking a break from actively blogging. So we have two arms to our business. There's the agency side, which is my clients who I shoot brand photos for. And then there's the educational arm of our business. That's where Brand Photography Academy came from. That's where our shop was born out of with resources for photographers. This podcast is under the educational arm of our business. So because we have those two sides of business, I also have two sides of blogging. So I blog most of our client shoots um, and then tag those to help other clients find me to shoot similar work. And then I also blog high quality educational content for photographers, though admittedly, I do fewer of those kind of posts than I'd like. And for both of those, for both audiences because they are two different audiences, my process looks the same. So here's what my process looks like. Step one, gather and format the photos. So if I'm blogging a shoot, I'm going to pull a folder of favorites, usually like 20 to 30 photos. And if I'm blogging a tutorial or an educational post, I'm going to pull anywhere from two to five photos from my portfolio to accompany the post just to make it pretty to look at or to illustrate a point I'm trying to make. I use the app Blogstomp, which we'll link below, to format all of my photographs. I've been using Blogstomp since like 2011. Whatever the cost of the program is, because it's been, you know, 11 years since I purchased it, it's worth it. This will save you so much time. So I use Blogstomp to format all of my photographs. In addition to resizing my photos for the web so that my pages load faster um, and giving me the option to pair them up in diptychs, triptychs, collages, whatever, Blogstomp also gives me the option to rename my photos, which I always always do. I typically name the stomped, resized photos something that I think a potential client might search. So for example, if I were shooting for a copywriter, I might name the resized photos copywriter underscore brand underscore photo dash one. If I'm blogging about the best travel gear bags for photographers, I might name my files travel underscore brand underscore photography underscore gear. So four words tends to be my max. I don't want the file names to be so long that they're cumbersome. Renaming the files to something search friendly helps potential clients who are looking for help to find your images. Step number two, write the body copy of the blog post. So if it's a client shoot, I'm gonna talk about the client's business, how fun they were to work with, I'm gonna mention where it was we shot, uh, maybe give a little insight into the strategy that we used to capture their shoot. Um, In talking about the shoot, I'm naturally going to use keywords that other people might be searching for as I describe what it is that the client does. And in describing where it was that we photographed the session, I'm also helping people who are located close to wherever the client is find me if they're Googling, let's say, okay, so I have a brand shoot in uh, Round Rock, Texas. I'm actually leaving tomorrow for that. Um, So when I blog this session, I am going to use the word Round Rock, Texas brand photography within the body of the post so that if someone else in Round Rock, Texas is also looking for a brand photographer, they stumble across my work. If it's a tutorial, I'm gonna write the tutorial as clearly as possible using bullet points, headers and subheaders and bold plus italicized text as needed to make that post as skimmable as possible. I don't wanna give people a five paragraph essay. People are short on time. If they're reading a blog post with a tutorial, they probably need help fast. So I wanna make it fast for them to consume the material. I also make sure to link to my client's websites um, if I'm photographing or if I'm blogging a client shoot. And if I have any relevant posts on my own blog, I'm gonna link to that as well. So like if it's the second time I've worked with a client, I'm going to link back to the first shoot I did for them. I'm flying out tomorrow for Texas. This is the second time I photographed for this specific client. So when I blog this shoot, I'm going to link back to the first blog post that I did for her original shoot. Step number three, then I'm going to import the photos and add in what's called alt text for each photo. So this is where you can tell search engines a little bit more about what's in the photograph. And it's also, that alt text is also the text that's gonna auto populate when someone goes to save your photos to Pinterest. So if I'm blogging a shoot that I did for a realtor, I'm probably gonna enter an alt tag like real estate agent brand shoot forward slash Abby Grace photography with normal spacing between all of those. So I'm trying to use an alt tag that feels intuitive. What are people actually searching for in Google and Pinterest? Once all of the photos have an alt tag, and I typically use the same alt tag for all the photos, but if you wanna go image by image, if you know your photographs vary a lot, um, you can do that. But then once all of the photos have an alt tag, I'm gonna place the images into the blog post. Step four, I use the WordPress plugin All-in-One SEO. So it's just there. Once I'm finished formatting the blog post, I scroll down and then All-in-One SEO is at the bottom within WordPress. And that plugin allows me to enter some additional keywords at the bottom of the post, typically one to three word phrases that I think my audience might search for. That's what keywords are. Um, And then it also allows me to dictate the title and the description that are gonna pull up in Google search results instead of Google simply pulling the first few words from the body of the blog post. It's limited to 160 characters for the description. So try to keep that to the point about what folks will find inside the post if they click on your link. Try to think about what people are actually searching for, what words people are actually using, not just flowery, pretty words that you or your clients might use to describe their brand. So for for example... Probably nobody is going to search for high performing, sales driven, creative small business brand photographer. That's how I would describe my work. But like nobody's going to search for that. So I'm instead going to try to use words that people actually use, like creative brand photography or creative small business brand photography or DC brand photographer, that kind of thing. Once all of that is done, then I hit publish and try to remember to post the link on Facebook. Though, admittedly, I don't often remember to do that. And then it's done. If you're new to blogging, start by catching up with old shoots that you have in your archives. Nobody cares if it you know, this is something that you shot two years ago, six months ago, yesterday. Just put it on your blog so people can find it. So blog 15 to 20 photos from each session, write up a paragraph or two about the clients, their business, and the shoot day, and then include a link back to the client's site. If you are batching these, and by that I mean you're doing like a whole bunch in one sitting, that is how I prefer to do blogs. By the way, it is so much more efficient to just sit down and like format the photos for like five blog posts and then write the text in one two hour chunk and then pre-schedule all of them. So if you're batching them, do not publish them all in one day. You can pre-schedule your posts to go live in the future. So if you batch your work, my suggestion is that you space these out to publish every few days so that it looks more consistent to someone new who's visiting your blog you can cross-pollinate those blog posts too. So like maybe you do a blog post for each client's shoot, but then what if you also did a roundup post that shows off your favorite natural light locations in your market? And then maybe another post that showcases, I don't know, three simple outfit adjustments that you can use during a session to create more variety with your photos. Like, you know, tip number one, add a jacket. Tip number two, change your hair. Tip number three, swap out your shoes and jewelry. Something that's going to help your clients once they've landed on your blog. If you're struggling to come up with ideas for your blog, think back to the most frequently asked questions from your clients and or followers. Do your people constantly ask for help with choosing a location for their brand shoot? Maybe you can write a post about your four favorite local spots for photographing brand sessions or a series of specific tips on what to look for when choosing a spot, like make sure the location has plenty of natural light, that kind of thing. If you're not sure what your people want to know, ask them. Poll your audience using Instagram's Ask Me Anything sticker. That is a fantastic way to answer the questions your audience actually has instead of guessing at what problems you think they're looking to solve. An added benefit when you've built up a solid roster of blog posts is that when you do start ranking on Google and a potential client clicks over to your website, those blog posts are a source of affirmation. Like, yes, you do know what you're doing. (laughs) After all, you have dozens of blog posts to show off your work, don't you? And what's that? There's a blog post about whether or not you need a makeup artist for your shoot with recommendations for local vendors that they can team up with. This is so crazy. This person was just wondering if they needed to hire someone for hair. Like when they land on your blog, not only is it an answer to the specific question they were looking for, but then answers to other questions maybe they hadn't thought to ask yet, as well as an entire collection of past shoots to show that you do know what you're talking about. This should go without saying, but any keywords that you use on blog posts must be relevant. They need to match the content inside. So if you shoot a session in Austin, Texas, Do not try to fool the search engines by tagging it with Hawaii brand photographer. Google is really smart, and their priority is to help searchers find answers for or resources that they're looking for, so they are really good at recognizing irrelevant keywords. When I first started photographing weddings, uh, like most folks in my industry, I wanted to book the gorgeous weddings, the high-dollar clients at iconic venues across D.C., or dare I say, the US. So I thought that I could just keyword my way into things by adding like high-end wedding photographer and luxury wedding photographer and destination wedding photographer to all of my posts. No, that is not how Mr. Google Pants works. I never booked a single high-end wedding off of those old blog posts because the content inside the post itself was not high-end or luxury. That word of caution about relevant hashtags also applies to social media. So applying the tag like let's say Paris brand photographer to a brand shoot that was shot in DC muddies the results for other users and has little to no chance of success because the tag does not match the content. Next up on search traffic, YouTube. All right, so we started a YouTube channel three or four years ago. And the reason we started it is because, I don't know if you can tell by now, I love to talk. I love it. And I'm also really good on camera. And I don't say that like pompously. It's just something that's been affirmed in me from various coaches that we've had throughout the years. Like, hey, have you thought about YouTube? Have you thought about video? Um, And so we started a YouTube channel. I think it was four years ago at this point. And I had such great intentions for it, right? So I loved teaching. I still love teaching on film photography. Uh, And we put out on that channel several videos on how to load various film cameras, how to use a light meter, how to expose overexpose film, that kind of thing. With the exception of a five-minute sneak peek of Brand Photography Academy that I uploaded last spring, we have not posted to YouTube in three years. Things got really crazy when my son was born and we just couldn't keep up with it. And yet, I continue to get new comments on a weekly basis from people who are asking questions about the videos we posted on film photography. YouTube is the second largest search engine on the planet, especially for people looking for how to help. So while YouTube hasn't been an active part of our marketing strategy for three years, those comments that continue to trickle in show me that my videos continue to generate traffic. So I produced and uploaded those videos one time and they are still going to work for me. That is a lot more than can be said for my Instagram posts from three years ago. YouTube is actually something we've been toying with getting back into, because even though it feels overwhelming to get started, I know the work that we put into YouTube continues to pull new people into our sphere of orbit far longer than social traffic. Remember, we're playing a long game here. And along with that, if I'm gonna get started on YouTube again, one of the essential first steps for me is gonna be finding someone who can help with the post-production side of things. The reason we quit three years ago was because it was too much for me to handle. Research, filming, editing, uploading, making thumbnails in Canva, all of that. It was taking too much time each week and I couldn't keep up. So if we start again, it's going to be with an infrastructure that allows me to focus on writing and recording content and then handing it off to somebody else to polish and post. Part of adding in a new marketing strategy is making sure that you can maintain it in the long run. So it isn't just the initial hurdle of learning how to use the format and actually doing the work. It's okay, moving forward, how are we gonna continue to support this new marketing strategy? Podcasts are another way that I show up in search results, not by hosting our own. This podcast you're listening to is actually a private podcast. You cannot find it by searching on Google, and it's only accessible through a direct link. No, I show up on search results by being a guest on other people's podcasts, by sharing on topics that I'm qualified to speak on. I was interviewed for the Boca Photography Podcast with Nathan Holritz a couple of months ago, and the topic we covered was how to pivot into brand photography. That phrasing, how to pivot, that's really specific. If I'd have been smarter, I would have changed that phrasing to something more like how to start a brand photography business. But by appearing on someone else's podcast and then them linking back to my website, which search engines like to see, they like to see credible websites linking to yours that boosts your own SEO power. So if someone searches for the topic that we cover inside the podcast, my name is going to pop up along with the results in addition to harnessing the SEO power of whatever brand it is that I was on their podcast. So like if the Boca Photography podcast has really strong SEO, that's going to pull my result up to the top so people are more likely to see my name. Pinterest is another option for search related traffic. So if that's something you use frequently, Or even if you don't, it might be something to start. That is an amazing place to post content from your blog. You can upload your recent Instagram posts. Uh, You can create curated boards to serve as resources for future clients and more. Pinterest, admittedly, has never been high on my priority list simply because I don't use it much myself. But it's something I've always known I should be using more Because people are actively searching Pinterest for help solving specific problems, like maybe a checklist of props to bring to a personal brand shoot, or like a how-to guide on posing for brand photos, or 10 brand photos you can take with your phone. All of those are like three amazing ideas of things that you could blog and then put on Pinterest, Pinterest that people will actively be searching for. Again, the goal here is to show up at the right time with answers to a specific question a potential client is looking for help with. The search bucket of traffic, it is on my list of things to work on this year. So we do a pretty good job of showing up when our clients are looking for a brand photographer, but when it comes to showing up for students who are looking for help with becoming a better brand photographer themselves, I have some work to do. And I think, honestly, YouTube is gonna be the solution for that. We don't have the capacity to implement YouTube this quarter, but it's on our list of potential strategies for later this year. Because remember, it isn't just a matter of implementing a new strategy. We also have to have the bandwidth to maintain it. So I think we'll have the bandwidth later this year, but we'll see. I am an extroverted extrovert who feeds off of the energy in the room. So let's get some energy in this room. Head on over to the free Facebook group for brand photographers, link below this episode, and tell me honestly, how are you feeling about the search bucket? Are you confident? A little bit sick to your stomach? To quote Anna from Frozen, maybe you don't know if you're related or gassy, but you're somewhere in that zone, hit me because I would love to hear where you're at. Episode three drops next week and it is all about social traffic. There's a lot to uncover there. So that episode is gonna be packed to the gills. Don't say I didn't warn you. We'll see you guys next week on the Unthinkable Marketing Podcast.